grateful host as we move through this journey. If the spirit moves you, would you be so kind as to subscribe, like, and comment? Let me start somewhere in the middle, and I'll fill in the missing pieces as I move along. It was the mid-80s. I was managing a grocery store about 40 miles from my house. This was a time well before cell phones and the internet, and aside from silence, one had two choices while commuting to work. Listen to the radio or to audio cassettes, which would soon be replaced by CDs. I listened to my share of both cassettes and radio, and because I ordered a fair amount of audio programs from the Nightingale Conant Company, I was constantly getting advertisements from them. I can still remember the postcard from the company founder, Earl Nightingale, advertising his program, Lead the Field. I ordered that program. It was more than motivating. It was interesting in so many ways. The ideas, while simple, yet were laced with wisdom. I thought, why weren't these type of subjects taught in high school or in college? Anyway, I was so impressed with Lead the Field, I began purchasing everything Nightingale produced, including his books. One book in particular captured my imagination, Earl Nightingale's Greatest Discoveries. I was fascinated by a concept that Earl explored in that book. He claimed that there are two types of people in this world, river people and gold people. River people were born into this world with a river of interest. They could never escape. The sailor who takes to the sea, the painter who endures an endless string of stomach aches until the vision in his mind is on the canvas. Or the young child who at a tender age outsings the lark and the nightingale and the whole world stills to listen. I guess the list could go on and on. We are surrounded by river people. And if these people ever try moving away from their river of interest, invariably they are brought right back to their river. As Professor Maslow said, a musician must make music, an artist must paint, and a poet must write. Nightingale described goal people as individuals that have an array of interests, but no driving single passion like that of the river people. These people tend to set goals in specific areas and once achieved, set another goal. Their life is a constant cycle of setting and achieving goals. Upon reading that book, I just assumed that I was a goal person. I would set goals and in most cases achieve those goals, then move on to the next goal and on it went. I continued with that cycle for decades while privately remaining in my own river of interest. Just recently, while rearranging and discarding books, I had an aha moment. Wow, I have scores of books about the greatest speakers in history. Shelves full of how-to books on speech crafting and speech making. All told, I had dozens and dozens of books about oratory. oratory. And my aha was this. By Earl's definition, I was a river person after all. Irrespective of what jobs I had, hobbies I pursued, or sports I played, I never lost my fascination with the great speakers and all the great speeches, both in our times and in historical times. The power of oratory is my river of interest. For reasons I can't explain, other than maybe Earl's theory, I had memorized the Gettysburg Address in large swaths of both Kennedy's and Martin Luther King's speeches by the time I was 13 years old. 
To this day, early in my seventh decade, I still listen to speeches almost as often as I do music while exercising. Yes, public speaking has been a river of interest, winding its way through my entire life. I only became interested in national politics because, as a young man, I loved to watch the political conventions in presidential election years. Not for the politics, but for the speeches. I can still hear Jesse Jackson thundering, Stout the bushes! Or, That's the sunny side of life. Ted Kennedy claiming, The dream shall never die! Since those early days, I have found that politicians are not necessarily the best speakers, but as a class of speakers, they do have the highest profiles and the most exposure. I thought Ronald Reagan delivered a prepared speech as well as anyone. When I think about his speech to the nation after the shuttle disaster, it still moves me to this day. His closing line, they slipped the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God. Wow. I found that speech so moving that I went to the library, no, no Wikipedia back in those days, to see if I could find out where he got that closing line. Turns out those two lines came from a 19-year-old Air Force fighter pilot who was killed in a Spitfire during World War II. John McGee, while stationed in Canada, wrote sonnets and sent them home to his parents. Six months before he was killed, his parents received the sonnet, High Flight, which included those two lines. The history of those lines made Reagan's speech all the more poignant. Reagan and other speeches often referred to America as a shining city upon a hill. With that line, he was borrowing a phrase from one of the original pilgrims, John Winthrop, who used it to describe a mystical vision he had of what America would someday become, a shining city on a hill. Mario Cuomo, another great speaker, gave the keynote address on the final night of the Democratic Convention, the year Walter Mondale ran against Reagan. Reagan at this time was renowned for that line, a shining city on the hill. So Como begins the close of his speech agreeing with Reagan that America is indeed a shining city on a hill, but only for some. He goes on to say, there's another city. There are other parts to this shining city. He talked about the homeless, drug problems, poverty, starvation, crime, and despair. And his closing line was brilliant. No, Mr. President, this is a tale of two cities. There you have it. Two short, iconic phrases displaying the power of rhetoric. As my career progressed in the grocery industry, my interest in public speaking never waned. In fact, it intensified. As I assumed positions with greater responsibilities, public speaking became a larger part of my job. And because I was always trying to improve this wonderful craft, I participated in several speech training programs. I graduated from the Dale Carnegie class four different times and was a graduate, a graduate assistant two more times. I was a Toastmaster for a decade. I attended several executive speech programs, both in and outside the grocery industry. And as I mentioned before, my library is chock full of books and audio programs on public speaking. Yes, I've been swimming in a river of public speaking my entire life, and like so many others, erroneously operated on the notion that I was exclusively a goal person. 
In this podcast series, you'll learn about what I call speech mechanics and how they serve to enhance speech content, along with the importance of recognizing the speech culture of the company or industry in which one speaks, and just how to accentuate and enhance aspect of each person's individual speaking style by using rhetorical devices that are natural to them. We will explore the methods of speech crafting, how to tell stories, and some magnificent magnificent new ideas regarding the use of language and how to develop the all-important speaker's mind. Infused with all of this will be some powerful stories and the insight gained from years and years of a personal development journey. During the decades I was in the corporate world, I attended several hundred presentations and speeches. I also delivered several hundred presentation and speeches. Combining this experience with years of study and training, I have distilled and synthesized this body of work to create actionable strategies that people can use to leverage the power of oratory in all or any aspect of their lives. In closing, this podcast is for anyone who believes they can benefit from a 45-year fascination with the art and the skill of public speaking. So whether you are a goal or a river person, or like me, a hybrid, I invite you to join me on this odyssey. It is my sincere hope and humble request that you subscribe to this channel if you're watching on YouTube. And please, like and share among your friends so that YouTube's algorithms may shed their grace on me. And if you're listening, please follow me on your podcast hosting site. As for today and my part, that's all there is. This is Dan Riley taking you on the inaugural Odyssey into Earth. Until next time, throw those balls, sail away from the sail, catch the trade winds in your sails. We're on the move now.